welcome to the Madison Story Slam podcast. I am your host, Adam Rosted. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Today we're sitting down for a lovely chat with Hathaway Dilba, who is the co-owner and director of promotions over at Ale Asylum, which is a local brewery here in town. Uh, they have some great beer on tap right now. Seasonally, they have for sure Mercy and maybe some others. You should go over there and check them out. They're on the north side off of Packers Avenue. Uh, we have a big conversation. Um, it's about horses. It's about growing up in California, what it's like to be a brewer in Madison. And uh, we go all over the place. Tune in. Here's me and Hathaway live at Ale Asylum. When I did Ryan's. Uh, oh my god, he is so funny. Uh, he is. He. I, I did not expect it. Uh, how he funny is. he is! Unbelievably funny. Um, there was a group of people that came in and sat at the table right next to oh. us while we were recording, and like, I, like I mean, I get it. It's a business. It's their hours of yeah. operation. They've been noticed. I know. It's. I just like I couldn't. I would never go into a place and see two people with microphones and be like, "All right, yeah. we're a loud table, and we're going to go sit right next to you." Yeah. Guys. That's pretty um, funny. They were in their own little world. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. Not everybody is... Uh, Oops. I say a lot that uh, people oftentimes can't see beyond themselves, uh, which has been my experience, that people, they uh, they know their problems, they know what they want, and oh, yeah. they're not aware of other people oh, yeah. at it's all. It's called self-entitlement. Yes. Right? It is. How'd your interview go? Oh, with Ryan? Oh, no, my, my job interview. Yeah. Um, it was with Jimmy John's, and the guy was like, well, I'll hire you if you want. And I was like, okay, let me think about it. <laughs> so you get to think about it. Yeah. I, I mean, that, those are my favorite kind of interviews, yeah. job interviews, where, like, I mean, sort of. I like the interview process. I like to kind of wow them. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to wow somebody at Jimmy John's. Yeah. You know, it's just a job for right now. Uh, I was actually working for Badger Bus here in town okay. for like three, two, almost three years, I think. Wow. And I quit that in September. That was a really good job. kind of wish I never quit it, but Aww. it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, so. Anyway, mm-hmm. I don't do much of an intro. Okay. So we're already recording. Okay. Uh, put on my little headphones. Let me know if your headphones are too loud or not loud enough. I think this is good. Am I okay at the mic right here? Yeah, it's perfect. Okay. Um... So yeah, I don't, like I said, I don't do much of an intro. I just always start recording and have a little conversation and take it from there. So this is where I should burp loudly? That's right. Okay. That's right. Uh, so welcome to Madison Story Slam, uh, the podcast. This is the long slam. I don't know how, to, it's Hathaway Dilba. You're right. Yep. And you are a co-owner of Ale yep. Asylum? Co-owner and director of promotions. And what does uh, director of promotions do? Well, Director Promotions does a little bit of everything. I do the social media. I do website, email marketing, uh, public relations. Sure. I plant the beer garden. Ah. Sometimes I make food and bring it in. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a little bit of everything. Kind of have your hand in everything. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever brewed? Like, have you ever um, helped that process? Not in the commercial setting, but I brewed under the guidance of a, a brewer on our little nano system. Okay. Cool. And where did you guys weren't here originally? You were you were in the old Carbon Four, we sure were, where, yep. like where Carbon Four is now. Yep. And were you when you were there? Were you guys bottling? We were. Okay. Yep. We actually purchased that bottling line from Tony McGee at Lagunitas. Okay. And he had owned it for many years before that, and then also um, Coca Cola had it at one point. Oh, really? So we lovingly named her Pelegra <laughs> because her she had a little danger sticker for Pelegro. Sure. So we knew it was a woman. She kept throwing things. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Ryan was telling me that they had to uh, they had to take out 
something. I they did. He, he was very, uh, very detailed about oh, it. Yes. And I am not. <laughs> it was a complete overhaul. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's what he was telling me. And it was a lot of work. It was. But, yeah. She was probably on her, gosh, 80, probably close to her 85th birthday. Really? That's that old? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I think she was due for a little spit shine. Yeah. I didn't know that, uh, that whole machine was that old. That's yep. crazy. Um, so we don't have to keep talking about carbon for it, but you know they just started bottling and yes. have found that uh, they put their bottles out, they get them out to stores, and two days later it's gone. Sometimes less. Yeah, hours. Sometimes. Did, when you were bottling there, was it the same kind of thing when you guys started bottling? Like just because I imagine here you're able to bottle much more. Mm-hmm. It's a bigger operation, and so I think for them part of their thing is that it's just such a small amount that they're able to do. It did happen to us in the beginning a little bit. Um, We were able to pick up momentum pretty quickly. Uh, We were, at the time, Madison's really only microbrewery that was producing, because Capital is technically Middleton. Yeah. And so we did have some little start stops here and there, but then we were able to keep up with demand, and we took things really slow and low with getting our product out there. We wanted to make sure that we could keep the shelves full. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to get empty shelves once in a while, and Mm -hmm. that's part of it. But we decided to really stay in the Madison area and then get into the Milwaukee market from there. Sure. Um, where did Ale Asylum come from? Are you are you are all the owners from here, from Madison? No. Otto Dilba, co founder, is from Tomahawk, Wisconsin. Okay. Um, Chris Rittenberger, head brewer, is technically part of our ownership. Uh, he is from the Sheboygan area, as are a lot of our private investors. Sure. And Dean Coffey, co-founder and brewmaster, is from Redondo Beach, California. Oh, wow. And I am from Palos Verdes, California. We grew up within 10 miles of each other. Okay. So how, how did you end up here in Madison? We all ended up here kind of separately. Sure. It was kind of kismet, I guess. Yeah. Um, Otto, Chris, and Dean all worked at the Angelic Brewing Company. Okay. And they had cooked up this idea... Um, 2005, I believe, to go out on their own. Um, the Angelic didn't want to take their operations further, meaning they didn't want to bottle or sure. distribute. Sure. So everyone shook hands and they went their own separate way and opened up Ale Asylum May 19th, 2006. Yeah. And so they came, that was from California, right? Uh, Angelic Brain Company yeah, where is was that? Madison. Oh, it's wait, where, oh, really? Yeah, it's where Red Rock River oh, is. Oh, okay, I think it's okay. called something like, I'm not very yeah, yeah. ensconced in, in, in the area down there. But um, yeah. it's uh, it's been several oper- operations, but sure. um, the Angelic closed its doors a couple years after we opened. Oh, okay. Okay. But before that... They, I think that they, was before I was even 21. So oh, I was, really? I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> they were so sweet. They carried everything that we made sure. up until the day they closed. It was, okay. it was a very nice party. It, it was a good friendship Absolutely. still after. And and it kind of sounded like that with Carbon 4. Like, um, not that they parted from you, but you know they took over your space. Yeah. And it just really established oh, a nice relationship. Oh, it was perfect timing. Yeah. It was perfect timing. And in our world, you, know, you don't try to sit around and dominate... Yeah. What normal you know instances would call your competitors? It's, yeah. There's no need for that. Sure. There's market share for everybody, and in our community, it's more like you want to be established together and all make good beer. Yeah, and that's what and Ryan not, was saying. Yeah, he was saying exactly it. I think he said that somebody from here said, "Listen, we don't we don't think of you as an enemy. Like we want we want Madison to be known as like a beer mecca. Yep. And uh, being all the way over here on the northeast side, 
it's great to have two really good breweries right by each other. In total agreement with that. And I think that's a shared insight amongst the other Madison brewers that are popping up. Sure. Um, Everyone's real collective and fraternal. Um, Paige Buchanan, of course, Pete Gentry, um, everybody from Next Door Brewing, they're amazing. Yeah. Um, And if I'm missing anybody, I certainly don't mean to. Um, Scott at Vintage, everyone, we're all very good friends. Yeah. I just had somebody from Vintage uh, contact me and say, if you're, you know, if you're interviewing breweries, we'd love to do it. Do it. Uh, I will. They're great. Definitely, yeah. They're I, wonderful people. I, I have, I've only been to the Vintage like three times. Oh, you're um, missing out. you got to go more. I'm an East Side boy. Uh, my <laughs> whole life, I, lived, I grew up in Sun Prairie, and uh, I actually just moved. Uh, I got married in June and moved to uh, Midvale. So Congratulations. I'm sudden, thank you. I'm <laughs> suddenly a uh, West Sider, and it's very weird. Uh how long have you been in Madison? Been in Madison since 1992. Okay. And so, I moved here from the Los Angeles area to go yeah. to school. So. so, like, I mean, that that long in Madison, you know that there is a uh, a separation. There like, is. Like, there and is. it's so strange because yep. it's, it's stupid. <laughs> I know. But, like, there, I know some Westsiders that are like, oh, you're an Eastsider. How, you know. And you I used to be that know. person. Really? And ever since we started the business... Over, you know, on the east side, I am an east side girl now. Yeah. And my mom lives on the west side. I now live in Stoughton. But -hmm. when I had a dinner party on the west side and invited friends from even the east side or Isthmus, they'd be like, that's so far. Oh, really? But now that I live in Stoughton, they'll come every time I ask them. Yeah. And won't even bat an eye on it. Yeah. See, I... uh so I grew up in Sun Prairie and went to a private school in Madison my, from kindergarten through 12th grade. And uh, so from a very early age, we would drive in to school every morning, uh, 20 minutes or 25 minutes. And so, like, that was just, like, a regular trip. So then when I got my license and, like, started hanging out with people from all of my friends from school lived uh, in Madison, most on the west side. And uh, so driving... 40 minutes or 35 minutes to their house from my house was never a big deal. But to them, if I was having people over, they'd always be like, oh, you're so far away. And I'm like, it's not that far. Like, without traffic, I could probably do it in 25 minutes, get from some prairie to uh, the west side. But So you, your mom is here. My mom and my dad. Did, so did they follow you or did you follow them? Yeah, this, this is kind of a funny story. So when I was in high school, my dad grew up here. Mm-hmm. And so when I was in high school, my dad was getting ready to retire and wanted to move to Madison. Sure. I wanted to go to school here. Yeah. So. Your dad wanted to retire to Madison? Yeah, from Los Angeles. <laughs> and so I loved Madison because I always came here to visit my grandparents. Sure. And I fell in love with it when I was getting ready to go to school. So. Um, we ended up. I moved here in '92 to go to college, okay. and they followed right after. And they actually got divorced a few years after they moved back. But hmm. they both stayed here. And now my dad has a condo downtown, but travels all over the world. He's retired. My mom lives in the uh, um, west side of Madison. Okay. So. Man, that be, that must be nice to travel all over the world. It is. He loves it. He's in Hawaii right now. He's going to the Canary Islands. Really? Yeah, and he's 77. That's awesome. I know. He's amazing. Does he have somebody to travel with, or does he, he do it alone? He has friends. Okay. That he, um, his best friend lives in Amsterdam. Wow. And so sometimes they'll travel together, or he'll just go to Amsterdam and hang out for a little bit. Sure. And he's a very young 77. He'll, he'll check out the coffee shops yes. in Amsterdam. <laughs> probably until he's about 100. <laughs> probably. Hopefully. Yeah. I That's really awesome. I, I uh, had interviewed... Um, the owner of um, Black Earth Meats and the Conscious Carnivore, yes. Bartlett Duran, and he spent a long time in Hawaii. He was telling me that um, he, he and his wife, I believe, were in Asia, in India, studying 
something. I, I want to say studying under a religious leader. I, I can't remember. Uh, that was a long time ago now. It really wasn't. It was like two, it was like two and a half weeks ago, but it feels like forever ago. Um, and he, he said that they stopped in Hawaii on their way back to the States to spend like two weeks there and then never left. Like they just, they just were like, oh, it's great here. We're just going to live here now. That's great. Uh, they had like gotten a hotel room for, um, I want to say for like a week and it was like a thousand dollars for the week and um, by the end of the week they found a place to live that was uh, like $800 a month and so he was like well it costs it's cheaper to live somewhere for a month than it is to live in a hotel for a week here and then they got a car right away and just both got jobs right away yeah that's cool I, I just feel like that is that doesn't happen to people. We don't. You no. don't just stop over somewhere and go. Oh, I'm going to establish myself here now. How did you all get together for Ale Asylum? Like, where do, where do you come in? I guess the million dollar question. Sure. Um, so Dean and Otto and Chris all worked at the Angelic together. Yep. Otto did. He did kind of a jack of all trades there. He was one of the the lead managers, mm-hmm. and he actually helped out with the branding and design of a lot of the um, Angelic Brewing Company beer um, logos and naming and copywriting. He he has a whole background in communications yeah. and advertising. And he and I worked together. Um, I was at the time at a company called Guild.com and he also worked at an ad agency called Planet Propaganda. So hmm. we worked together as a client um, you know, client account relationship or agency sure. relationship and found that, you know, we had the same tastes in design and copywriting and and we actually um, started dating. We were married. Oh. <laughs> Let some people know about that. Some people don't. Yeah. And um, we are since divorced, but we work together, and, and sure. we kind of are the. Is that weird? In house, not at all. No. No, I mean it's. Um, I guess some people would maybe think it is, but for us, it's just what we it's do. The, it's, it it kind of like to me, it just brings up like it's the very. Um, Hollywood, it's the movie esque divorce where yeah. it's like, no, we're totally cool with each other. Yeah. My parents got divorced in 2011 after 30 years, and oh, they wow. could never, oh really, never work together. I don't think. Well, my parents, uh, when they divorced, are extremely amicable. They spend every holiday together, and they're they're very close. I kind of had that as that's a, awesome as a template, so so to speak, if I could use such a blah word, but yeah, um, yeah, we work really well together, and we share a dog. Dog comes in every day to work. Sure, that's so, really cool. Yeah. So. You met, you knew him through work, and then you got yes. married or whatever. And so that's how I came in. Is is um, I at the time actually owned another business when we started Ale Asylum. Okay. And uh, I actually left that business. It was serendipitous because my partner at the time wanted to leave too. Hmm. We had a good run, and um, and so I came on and worked in the bottling line. Okay. When we first opened the brewery, I kind of did little odd jobs. Um, I'd jump in. They didn't want me behind the bar because I was like a bull in a china shop. It was just ridiculous. Like, yeah. Nobody wants me behind a bar, believe sure. me. <laughs> Unless it's a quick pour or something <laughs> like that. But I won't I won't joke around here. I'm a really shitty bartender. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just little things like event planning I did and planting the beer garden. Um, and just, just kind of mama bear in the brewery. Just sure. kind of putzed around. And then... Um, as the business grew and social media came on the scenes, that was kind of not around. Yeah, you know, because did you guys open your doors in 06? 06. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I think... It was just starting. Just barely. Like, MySpace was, like, just, like, in beta stages or something. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just started messing around and 
you know, made a page for us. And then I started an email marketing campaign and just kind of used my knowledge. And Otto and I have been working together. And we have no paid advertising. Okay. We do all just website, email marketing, social yeah. marketing. Um, he and I like the challenge of that grassroots appeal. And we like trying to develop our culture on our own. Sure. And so, you know, I have a big background in media purchasing and, and producing, but I like this challenge now that I'm 40 years old. I like this. Yeah. Having to kind of, you know, use my noggin more than when I had people developing ads for us and, and whatever. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Well, and what's nice is Madison really is kind of a grassroots kind of city. We are. You know, it's, and wired. It's, yeah. It's a really cool kind of, I don't even know what to call it, you know, an ebb and flow of, of how they are grassroots, the farm to table, they're yeah. people like Bartlett are doing an awesome job, but everyone is grassroots. Yeah. And, and uh, all across the board. And I, the music scene in Madison is one of my favorite things. It is. Uh, because uh, I, I think people don't realize how awesome, how many awesome bands we have here Be- because it is the... Um, uh, I am a musician. It's pretty hard to get your name out. You know, I I haven't been all over the country, but I, uh, like I've been to Seattle, I've been to Minneapolis, Chicago. Um, those are big cities, so you it's really easy to find bands. But like Madison is a little city with a it almost wants to be a big city. You know what I mean? But but we still hold on to those like little city things where. We're putting flyers up still, yeah. and uh, I love it. Yeah, uh, you Willie walk down Street. State Street, yeah, or Willie Street. Or <laughs> yep. People are handing you flyers, I flyers know. like, "Hey, come see my show." Or leaflets. <laughs> and some people might be like, "Hey, don't you have a Twitter? Why aren't you tweeting me this?" But I love the human reaction. Like, there's something to be said for the social media aspect of it's business and life and whatever. But if you can't get face to face with somebody and have an interaction with them, it's you just it's just kind of like a one of my favorite stories about along that line is that I was at Jenna's during happy hour on like a weekday in the summer. And yeah. I love it because I can walk my dog over there from my dad's and just chill out and have a beer. And Kara can lay at my feet and yeah. I can kick back. And this was my girlfriend, Tosh, who's from Chicago. And, you know, I'm from Los Angeles. And this guy walks out to us. He looks a little menacing, uh, you know, he's got the sake pants. <laughs> you know, and I never, pro- I've learned not to profile. And sure. Tosh and I both were pretty even keel, but the table next to us was like, what's this guy doing? You know, they all looked all on edge. And the guy sat down and I was like, hey, what's up? And he goes, I'm an artist. I'm a DJ. Um, I mix and I also record sound. Yeah. If I give you my CD, will you listen to it? And if you like it, will you share it with people? And I said, absolutely. And he goes, that's all I ask. He's like, I just cut a couple of CDs. I'm just handing them out to random people. And sure. He just got up and walked away. What a cool thing. Absolutely. What a cool thing. And it's funny to see the people in Madison who are not, who, who are like that other table. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Are they going to get robbed? Yeah. You know, like, are their iPhones going to be taken off the table? Exactly. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I am very much a talker with people. I'll, oh. uh, if, if I'm in the mood, uh, I shouldn't say that. If I'm not in the mood, I'm not. But more, more often than not, I'll talk to anybody. That's how I was raised too. Yeah. And, um, so I've actually always had a heart for the homeless in the city. So I'll, I'll go Absolutely. to the homeless people and talk to them. And Absolutely. Whatever. Like, and also super interesting stories from a lot of the homeless people here in Madison. Gifted musicians. Yeah. And artists. Mm-hmm. And, yep. And uh, I have a lot of friends who are very, uh, I had a lot of friends growing up who were very sheltered. And never in a million years would they approach a homeless person to say, hey, how's your day going? What are you up to? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and then 
the, they probably wouldn't give them ten bucks. But so like I remember one time I gave a guy ten bucks and I just said you know like stay safe whatever and we yeah. walked away and my friend was like you know he's just gonna use that on X you know whatever yeah. drugs booze whatever pick one right? and I and I'd say so what <laughs> like yeah. maybe that's what he needs like I don't need that stuff but. To get through the night, maybe he needs to get high. Like, I, it wouldn't be my first choice, but, you know, whatever. I'm not going to judge him. It's funny because people argue with people like you. I mean, I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And everyone's got a, a side of it, but it's true. If whatever they need to get themselves through the night, I mean, I imagine, especially when it's really cold and damp and gross yeah. out, what would I do? Yeah. <laughs> if I didn't have a place to warm, even a place that's half warm to mm-hmm. go. I mean, I bitch about my garage being cold well then also like just (laughs) walk from your car to your house your socks are wet yeah you know what i mean like i mean they're not soaked but just being out in the cold air you feel like your socks are wet so then imagine there's no inside for you you're just i just can't imagine i I just yeah it makes me sad i I serve food um gosh it hasn't i'm embarrassed to say it hasn't been in a while but for a a free meal here in town Mm -hmm. now i need to get back on it now that i talked about it but um uh, one of the gentlemen that I used to be one of my regulars when I went, uh, I said, hey, how are you today? How are you doing? And he said, well, I had the stomach flu. It's like, that's not fun when you're homeless. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> of course it wouldn't. Like, yeah. any flu would not be fun being homeless. Any but, kind of illness. Yeah. Uh, my wife is very much, like, when she's any kind of sick, she is take care of me like that her whole like and that's great i'm not that way i'm like leave me alone i'm sick i need to go go curl up yeah and she's like you know i want to be on the couch and i want you to bring me soup and i want and and i can't imagine being homeless and getting any kind of sick and it's just like nope you still got to get up and do stuff and but really do nothing you know you got to somehow make it Anyway, this is a really depressing podcast. I know. So let's, let's switch lanes. We're switching lanes, people. Um, so, what are your seasonal beers right now? Seasonal beers. Well, you're drinking one. I know Mercy. Mercy. Grand I, Crew. Yeah, I love the Mercy. Three Demons. Yeah, Mercy is a good one. It's part of our Belgian portfolio. Yeah. Um, this year was kind of exciting because we had three out of our true Belgian portfolio. Um, you know, Bedlam is, is a Belgian IPA, but yeah. I'm going to say for our true Belgian portfolio, um, Mercy. And Triple Nova and Kink, which used mm. to be called Happy Ending, yeah. all were bottled this year. Why uh, Why was the name changed? Uh, well, our good friends at Sweetwater Brewing Company in Atlanta mm-hmm. produce a beer called Happy Ending. And being oh. that they're 95,000 times bigger than us, <laughs> we decided to do the right thing and change the name. And actually, you know, we bought our current bottling line from those guys. Okay. And so Otto had forged an agreement with their principal and said, hey can we use it if it's just in our tasting room? And the guy said, yeah, but if you distribute it, please do change the name. So of sure. course we did some yeah. due diligence and changed yeah. it. That's good. So. Um, I love Mercy. Uh, my favorite beers from here uh, would be Satisfaction Jackson. Oh, yeah. And then Mercy. Uh, probably Bedlam than Mercy. Oh, okay. Um, I actually, we had a story slam, to, uh, not this past Friday, but the Friday before. Um, and so I host those and Started with two bedlam, <laughs> and then switched to mercy. I believe fairly quickly, quick, quickly, and I think, think I probably had three or four mercies. Oh dear! Yeah. Oh dear! Uh, and I realized why you guys call it mercy. Uh, for me, at least, it's because the next morning I was begging for mercy. <laughs> uh, I, what is it? Is it nine percent? Ten percent? It is ten yep. percent, and it's delicious, well, but. 
four of them, and then coupled with two bedlams, it was a it was a bad night. Yeah, I imagine I would be hurting. Yeah, I I have a rule. Typically, I will stick with the hot beer beers in our portfolio and stay sure. away from you know the maltier, even like the Belgians with the higher ABVs. First, I'm not you know I'm 40 now, so. You know, I'm drinking the session IPA right now yeah. because yeah. it's only what three o'clock in the afternoon, mm-hmm. and you know I still have a work day ahead of me. But yeah, yeah, it's it's um those those beers are kind of dangerous. You they know, are. they can sneak up on you too when you least expect it because you'll think, oh, I'm doing great. I ate a good yep. nice meal. I'm hydrated, and then yep. all of a sudden, I've seen people. This is really gross. And again, I promise to behave and not, okay. not steer this off. Yeah. But, um, this person I saw sitting at the bar, we only limit to two goblets. Sure. But aside from that, they must have had something else on top of it where yeah. they involuntarily threw up on themselves. Ugh. Didn't feel nauseous, just threw up. Gross. So there's a reason why you know people want to just stay cool in the Belgians and just yeah. sip it, sip it slow and low. It's hard because it's really good. It is it's, good. It's, it's it's like candy. It's sweet. Yep. Yeah. So I, I I usually prefer IPAs, really hoppy stuff, um, but. But when this comes out, I just I have to have it. So and it sellers well too. So if you yeah buy a six pack and you stash it, you know, mm-hmm. in a nice you know cold dark place for you know six months or so, you'll be able to enjoy it. Yeah. So and your session is um, it's Demento. Demento. Right? I had that for the first time probably three four weeks ago. Loved it. Isn't that nice? Uh, yeah. I well, one of my favorite breweries is um, Six Point Brewery in New York. Uh, they do yeah. like uh, resin high res. Yep. Global warming, I don't know, a bunch of stuff. Shane, there, brewmaster, actually used to work under Dean at the Angelic. Oh, really? Did you know that? No, I didn't <laughs> know that. Fun at fact. All. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so their their session ale, which I can't, I think it's just called like Hop Sesh or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember the name. Um, I had that and I wasn't thrilled with it. And so then I saw your guys, I saw Demento, and I was like, oh, I'll try this one. And it was really good. Well, if you like the Satisfaction Jackson, it's made with Centennial hops, just like that beer. Yeah. And Cascade hops from Hoplicious, but yeah. Yeah. Um, switching gears a little bit. <laughs> Still talking about Ale Asylum. So I, I mentioned I got uh, married in June. Yes. My, uh, uh, my bachelor party, we, we uh, rented a school bus. I used to work for Badger Bus. Uh, so we rented a school bus and just kind of did a brewery tour. We started at Tyranina. Fun. And that was awesome. Um, but then we, like, there's this little place uh, off of Stoughton Road, off of the uh, frontage road. It's, like, it's like called House of Brews. House of Brews. Or so. Is that what it's called? That's Paige Buchanan. Yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah. That place is awesome. Yep. And... Uh, so we went there, and then and then we did all like the little places. We did, I think we did one barrel and next door. Oh, and, fun! And then carbon, and then we ended here. Oh. <laughs> you so know, you're the person I read about. No, I'm just kidding. That's right. Uh, <laughs> you know, we ended here. I think maybe five o'clock, six o'clock. By three o'clock, I should have been done. <laughs> I, I should have stopped. But we came here, and then I remember I was like, guys, I'm just going to run to the bathroom quick. And then I go to the bathroom, and next thing I know, I turn around and. Everybody from my bachelor party was in the bathroom, and they had ordered, like, 15 shots of, uh, I don't know, probably Jameson, I think. Oh, God. And we took shots of Jameson in the bathroom. In the bathroom. Good call, because if you need to throw up, you're right there. And, you know, when you've been drinking beer all day, any shot of anything, like, there's a good chance you're probably going to throw up. I didn't, though. I didn't mess up Everyone else survived? Yeah. Thank you for that. We appreciate it. No mop. we, (laughs) We did the shot and then ran out of the bathroom and, like ran out the door and on our way out we just like all slammed our shot glasses on the bar oh my God. so it was a fun day that's you know, fun thank you for being here <laughs> it's our pleasure yeah i uh i love here your pizzas are so good 
What, like, where do you source your food from for your pizzas? So the pizzas are brought in by our friend Al Larson, who owns a it's a like pizza wholesale company that makes them fresh. And I feel embarrassed because I can't recall the name sure. right now as I'm on the air. But um, he brings them in almost daily, mm-hmm. and he works with us on the the, the recipes. Um, we try to make them kind of specific to our brewery, but he does package. Uh, frozen pizza for places like Trixie's Liquor. Okay. But we try to keep, you know, what we have here available on the menu just specific to our tasting room. Sure. So he's doing great business for himself. Yeah. He's doing a really great business. Um, so I, I know that you do pizzas because that's all I ever get when I'm here. Do you yeah. guys do other food? We do. We have this awesome little, it's like, a, I call it the Easy Bake Oven. It's mm-hmm. this little tiny kitchen. <laughs> and it doesn't have... Um, like a, a fry daddy or anything like that. So it's sure. not like we don't do brew pub stuff, yeah. like fries. We don't compete with Chico down the street because he makes a really freaking good burger and yeah. fries or fish fry. So we just keep it um, soup, salads. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a fish taco special that runs every week. Uh, how Everything's house made. Yeah. Um, our soups are incredible. We have a very gifted talented staff downstairs that yeah. together. Sandwiches, too. So everything's just kind of fun. And we change the menu out seasonally. So. Sure. Well, cool. We cook with our beer. Oh, really? Yeah, it'd be I simple not to, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I love to cook, uh, and uh, absolutely. If I if I ran a, a brewery or something like this restaurant or I don't know what do you call this brewery slash hey, restaurant? What do you call it the tasting the room? The tasting room. There you go. Yep. Yeah, I would constantly be cooking with beer. Isn't that? And it's fun. You know, people don't realize cooking with beer. You have such a wide scope of yeah. choices. Mm-hmm. And I, I do a lot of our recipes. I did on my own before we had the kitchen put in. Now, of course, I let the the professionals sure. do this. But um, I have found so many challenges in cooking with beer. I've had as many epic fails as I had awesome successes. <laughs> yeah. And to me that's what being a cook is about. Absolutely. You know, that's a it's about embracing the the fails and saying, well I could have done this differently next time. Mm-hmm. I could have maybe not, you know, boiled it so high and yeah. have it mushroom cloud over my stove. <laughs> um, yeah, have you ever tried to like cook with Belgians and then when it cooks over it turns into caramel on your stove top? Oh yeah, I bet. <laughs> it's not fun. Yeah. But um, it's 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 something I've embraced and I feel I have to admit this is kind of a naive story, but um, this is kind of digressing. <laughs> But I've started working on pairing uh, beer and chocolates and beer and cheeses. When sure. we first started opening the, you know, working with the brewery, I started pairing up with Car Valley Cheese and yeah. um, Gail Ambrosius. And Otto and I would do these dog and pony shows with these guys. And then he got so busy, he would set me off. And I always find new developments. But when I ever tried to pair wine with things hmm. to try to kind of embrace, you know, the culture of pairing and, and spirits, wine or beer... I had the hardest time. Yeah. And that was so traditional when I was growing up. And my parents would have these elaborate wine and cheese pairings or Hmm. even wine and chocolate. And I was so naive that I thought champagne and chocolates went well together because it's what you get on Valentine's Day. (laughs) Well, it really sucks together. Yeah. You're supposed to pair red wine and chocolate. Yep. So beer, I have felt it's more intuitive for me. Um, I felt that my choices, again, were broader in either cooking with pairing. It's fun. I mean, you can have some misses, but they're not horrible misses where you're, you know, You still eat it. You still eat it. You know? Whereas if you you miss with wine, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, God, I can't eat this. I can't, you know. My dad taught me a great recipe for a a roast, like a, a, 
I don't know. It's a stew. There we go. Sorry. <laughs> it's a beef stew, and uh, he taught me to not use, like, stew beef because it's really tough yes. a lot of times. So we buy steak, and we just cut up steak for, for our stews, and then... Um, uh, you put like tapioca pudding into the mix to kind of thicken it. That is super, super a lot of brilliant. Pe- a lot of people would just use like starch, but yeah. so we use tapioca pudding and then we pour two cans of Guinness in it. <laughs> and it is so good because you taste the Guinness. I, I don't like Guinness uh, on its own a whole lot, but man, with food, like when it's mixed into food, it's so good. In the fall, it's my favorite dish. That, I've made, actually, now we're, we're just plugging Bartlett over and over again because <laughs> I actually uh, bought some stew meat from Conscientious Carnivore. Yeah. It was, and I made our big slick stout stew and it was so good. Sure. So a shout out to those guys. That was some really good meat. It did yeah. not toughen up yeah. like, like the, normally. And I seared it like you would any other stew meat. I didn't know that um, they do um, like, uh, like crock pot meals, like where they, they've, prepared it all it's just not cooked yet and you go home and you can dump it in your crock pot that's and cool. just turn it on i'm a big fan of using my crock pot why not I, my uh my great grandpa died uh back like two months ago and like the one thing i got was his crock pot and it wasn't important to me that it was his crock pot it was just a crock pot mm-hmm. and I, I could finally use it and cook and i probably use that once or twice a week to make my meals but um, I so, like those kind of hand-me-downs. They are special, though. It was your great-grandpa that gave absolutely. it to you. You'll think about them every time you flip the switch. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we got some really ugly plates that were my great-grandmother's. She she passed away, I think, maybe four or five years ago now. But um, there, <laughs> there were these gaudy flower, floral pattern plates that are terrible. But we, my wife and I only had two dinner plates, which are really nice dinner plates, but the other two had been broken and... and uh, so I was my grandma's. My, so my grandma, which would be my great grandma's daughter, was like, "Do you want these?" And I was like, oh, "Yeah," because yeah. we. My wife was like, "No, we don't." I said, "Yeah, but like, we're always running out because our plates are always dirty or whatever." So yep. I think about my my grandma whenever I use those plates, and I think about my grandpa whenever I there use you go. the crock pot. Um, so did you ever think that you were going to be uh, so? You know, I don't. I don't know many people who uh, are little girls or little boys and go. I'm going to have a brewery. I'm, you know, I'm going to move to Madison, Wisconsin and drink beer. <laughs> Do you want to know? I had a couple of those in mind. Do you want to know what I really wanted to be when yeah. I was like five? Sure. A truck driver. Really? Why? I have no On idea. On earth, would you want that? No, I wanted to drive Barbies. <laughs> so I was this weird kid. Did you, I was, did I was you a like tomboy. See, uh, did you see like a Barbie truck? I have no idea. I, I played with Barbies. I was a, I still am a tomboy. I mm-hmm. wear no makeup. I mm-hmm. wear, I wear lip gloss. That's it. Um, I played, you know, I grew up on horses. I grew up barefoot. You know, I would jump on a horse with sure. just a, a pad and a and a halter half the time and be barefoot. I was just a scraggly little knock-kneed <laughs> child that wasn't, you know, my friends were girly girls. I certainly was not. I liked playing with Barbies, but I liked boy things, too. Yeah. So I was kind of this weird, like, mix of man and woman mixed in this little child's body. And I wanted to be a truck driver, and I balanced it out with wanting to drive Barbies, apparently. And That's so funny. That was did, my dream. Do you know, did you have, like, a family friend who drove trucks? <laughs> There's got to be something. Like, well, you saw a movie or... I traveled a lot with my dad. It was funny. He had road lust. You know, he was yeah. a world traveler my whole life. And I'm, I'm I traveled, traveled the world with him. But he loved packing that diesel station wagon up, put on the Kenny Rogers... Eight track and I'm yeah. dating myself, and then we would hop in the car, and so we'd always do this the honk, the yeah. universal sign for honk your horn to truck drivers, to the semis, and yeah. they would do it. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> and for some reason, that, that translated Maybe it into was me the driving. Ha- the happiness that you got from Something. those truck drivers, you wanted to give it to others. I loved that BJ and the Bear. Yeah. 
I wanted a little, you know, little sidekick with me. I don't yeah. know. I just, I love, I just love the culture of it. That's so funny. And it's I, so dangerous. It's one of the most dangerous professions you can ever have. Like, I mean, driving for hours, falling asleep, and then, then who knows what else you <laughs> Even just being the most amazing, savvy, defensive driver you can imagine. Yeah. You're dealing with other idiots out there yeah. <laughs> doing stupid things, making bad decisions. I had a, a friend, a family friend growing up who was a truck driver, and I believe he had a guy uh, step out in front of his truck once, and it just ruined him. Oh, you know, he couldn't yeah. drive truck that anymore. That just happened here. Really? In Wisconsin. I didn't know. I didn't yeah. hear about that. I just, that Sad. is brutal. Like, I, but I get the whole, uh, uh, wanting to do that, like the driving, not, yeah. not stepping up. No, yeah. I, was like, I think we need to have another conversation <laughs> sidetrack now. Um, no, I, uh, I'm very much the same way, uh, as your dad, where I, I long to be on the road, uh, as long as I can remember it. Like, I would think it's part of the reason I am a musician. And, you know, I want to get on the road and just I want to play shows, but more than anything, I want to drive. I want to I want to be on the highway. I, I feel I feel at home when I'm driving when I'm on the road. I I remember in my early twenties. I'm 27 now, so I'm still a young guy. But uh, when I was a much younger man, <laughs> a six, whippersnapper, six years ago, <laughs> uh, I was just going through some personal stuff, and I freaked out one night and packed a bag. And I was living at my parents' house, and I left a note and said, I'm gone. I'll be back at some point. I don't know. I just started driving. I didn't, I didn't get far. I went to, actually, I went to Chicago, and then uh, I was born in Chicago, so I know Chicago well. And I was like, this is this is still too much like home. So I went somewhere I'd never been. I went to Minneapolis and loved that. I loved the, that. It was from Chicago. It was like seven hours to get to Minneapolis. And yeah. that long drive was awesome. Wow, let it see. Went from Madison. I went to Mad from Madison to Chicago. Chicago, Chicago to Minneapolis, all within like what? I slept in Chicago. So I I left Madison. I want to say I probably left Madison at like uh, one or two in the morning, and got to Chicago three or four, and killed time till I found a place to sleep. Uh, my sister lives down there, so I slept at her place that night, and then the next day, I was like, this is boring. And went to Minneapolis. And you didn't know anybody in Minneapolis? And you I, just... I knew people. I'd just okay. never been there. Uh, actually, my uncle lives there. I, <laughs> I have an uncle there, too. Really? <laughs> uh, I, I actually, that the, I don't know, I just showed up on his doorstep. <laughs> and nobody was home, home, so I just I just sat on the, on the oh. step uh, until somebody showed up. And they're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> so like, I live here now. I, t- I told them, I'm having a mental breakdown. So. Oh. Well, I wasn't. But That's it, not a laughing matter. I'm no. not going to laugh. No, no, I, it wasn't a mental breakdown. I was just, I was, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I. It wasn't bad. Midlife was just, crisis age, 20. You know, I didn't have that till I was 25. <laughs> I had a quarter life crisis at 25. I couldn't even tell you what it's about anymore. But uh, at 25, I, I had a rough time with that for some reason. Aww. I'm not looking forward to 30. Like, I mean, I don't think I'll have a problem at 30, but if I had a problem at 25, I'm like, well, I might have. You get kind of a little pattern cooking here. You got 20, 25, <laughs> 30. I think, yeah, I'd prepare for something. I don't know. I, you know, I'm married now. I've got somebody to help me through it. I think I'll be okay. <laughs> I bet you will, too. I'm not sure. Um, so does Ilsom have anything coming up, like exciting? Well, we just had something kind of cool happen. What's up? We're having solar panels installed. Really? On the roof as we speak. Very cool. That started last week. Actually, funny thing. I was driving down. I had a press release ready to go for this, and it was just incumbent on when the crane's going to arrive. Because when yeah. the crane arrives, anybody in this area, our customers, our employees, 
kind of knew what was going on, but some of them aren't as tuned in. They're going to think, oh, my God, they're expanding again. Yeah. Oh, my God, they're building. What are they doing? You know? Yeah. And so I had this press release kind of on the back burner. And so I was driving to work, and the crane had arrived at 7 in the morning, and cars were literally screeching to a halt (laughs) on Packers Avenue at a rush hour. And I am honking at people. Drive. If you're really that freaking curious, just Just pull in our parking lot. I'll talk to you about it. Yeah. So I get here, and um, Chad Sorensen is the president of Sun Peak Solar, who we're working with. Okay. He is awesome. He is up there on the roof installing this shit with his coworkers. They're up there right now freezing their bums off. Yeah. He's determined we have to have this completed by the end of the month, and they will do it. They'll have it done. Sure. Is there anywhere you're focusing the solar energy for? The like, brew, mainly, you know, we mainly the brew house. To tell you the truth, okay. it's, it's for um, you know energy. It's it's not thermal energy. It's for electricity. Sure. So um, we three days a week are brewing 24 hours a day okay and that will slowly become six to seven days a week so you can imagine the energy usage there yeah so we do have other sustainable practices in place not related to this and we thought well let's build on it um so we've partnered up with sun peak we're very excited about it our patrons will be able to see on a monitor in the tasting room come january uh, what kind of um, offset we're experiencing that's so they'll be able to see our carbon footprint kind of you know Get a little bit more different as 2015 moves yeah. through. So, yeah. you know, I think it's interesting being in a city like Madison, where that's very important to a lot of people, um, uh, because businesses—I don't know how to say this—businesses will then cater to their audience, uh, yep. cater to the people in the city, and it just makes businesses better. It, it makes them be better people, uh, uh, business owners. Uh, where I think. Uh, probably in like a city like Detroit, probably uh, an operation like this isn't going to be looking to do solar panels. No, they, uh, they are. Well, they're in deep, you know, financial yeah, duress yeah. and they have other problems to deal with. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, you know, I keep hearing Detroit's on the upswing, though. I I love hearing that. I think it's a very beautiful, soulful city. And I was sad when I heard what was going on in a lot of the, you know, the Dateline NBC type shows covering it with the tumbleweeds and the bears running across. I have a friend who lives maybe 10 miles from Detroit. And every now and then he'll drive through and post a picture. And it's barren. It's it's crazy. the, the biggest sign of what where Detroit is at is just looking what you can buy a house for in Detroit. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. Like $1,000, you buy a yep. like a four-bedroom house. Yep. I mean, it's not the greatest house in the world, but it's still a house. Yeah, it's they're going to come back. Yeah. They can only get better. And, and like I said, it's a beautiful, soulful city. And Either that or that's going to be the, uh, the, the epicenter of the zombie apocalypse. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> e- they can only get better or they can get a hell of a lot worse. <laughs> Oh, man. It's, it's one or the other, you know. That's why I live out in the country. I'm prepared. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my zombie plan, my wife thinks I'm insane, and I, I don't really mean it, but my zombie plan, <laughs> I live, you know, I live right across from Hilldale Mall, uh, so the Metcalf's mar- food market sure. is right there. Lucky you. Yep. Um, I go to Metcalf's. My, my plan is contingent on the fact that I'm the first person to find out that the zombie apocalypse is happening. Oh, so Metcalf's is going to be your hideout? No, but I, I I call my wife, say meet me at the house, and then I go over to Metcalf's and loot it. <laughs> <laughs> I loot Metcalf's and get as much food as I can carry, and then meet my wife back at the apartment, and then we go to Gander Mountain. Oh, for best guns place and ammo. Could, prob- you, the best place you could po- possibly be, because oh, just yeah. loaded with weapons. Oh, and, yeah. There's some survival gear there, but I'm bringing all the food, so 
So yeah, so they'll they'll leave you alone. They'll like you. You're gonna be the popular guy. That's right. I'll be the king of Gander Mountain. You gotta stop and get beer, because then you'll be an untouchable. We're kind of on the way. You can stop yeah, here. You sort of are on the way. <laughs> if I yeah, sort of. Um, so we are Madison Story Slam, so we like to hear stories. Mm-hmm. And I kind of told you this yesterday that yep. I might ask about a good story. Or and how, your, your, this is nerve wracking. Ryan went before me, and <laughs> he's he's like the king of storytelling and he is, comedy. He, uh, my wife actually, I keep saying my wife, and I'm gonna get uh, I'm gonna get grief from people because apparently I say my wife too much. My wife's name is Ashley. So Ashley, uh, we, when we listened to Ryan's episode, was like, "This guy is your soulmate," uh, <laughs> because Aww. because I I'm a kind of, I'm the guy I'm a guy who likes to talk and I do voices a lot. Oh yeah, he does too. I he's I'm, amazing. I'm talking to him and suddenly he breaks into a voice and I'm like, oh, <laughs> "You're me. This is fantastic." So it was great. Um, He's very he's very talented. He's extremely. Have you seen his, his commercials that he makes? No. Oh, they're amazing. You got to just YouTube it. Are they on YouTube? Yeah. Is it for Carbon Four? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. All right. Well, so, I'm not going to give anything away. All right. I'll, I'll have to check them out, and our <laughs> listeners should check it out. Yes, too. you should. Um, so, moment of truth here. What's your best story? My best story. Does yeah. it have to be related to Ale Asylum? No, it could be about anything. Hmm. Kind of on the shorter. The shorter run. I grew up, like I said, on horses, mm-hmm. and I was a little bit of a prankster. I think I was made to be on the Jackass show or something. So I would basically use my horse as a vehicle of pranking or just acting like an ass clown. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the things I did with my girlfriends is I rode my horse to Jack in the Box, okay. which is a popular drive-through in Los Angeles area. Mm-hmm. And I took my horse to the drive-through and <laughs> ordered dinner. <laughs> so. I imagine horses in Los Angeles, in the Los Angeles area, aren't super common. Well, I grew up on this weird, it was a gated community, but it was a hobby farm gated community called Rolling Hills. Yeah. And it was a little outside of, it was like 20 miles out of Los Angeles. Okay. And it was all connected with riding trails, so we would get off, get off, just like get off work, we'd get out of school, and um, all of us would hop on our horses in different parts of this community, and we'd all meet kind of a centralized location, then we'd just raise hell until the sun went down. Yeah. And so we'd travel in a little pack of horse, little cowgirls, and we were all just fierce. I mean, just crazy little making <laughs> ladies. Yeah. And my horse, Sonny, was at the oldest of the group, but he was the most spunky and kind of a shit. <laughs> and he had a tendency to, to kind of get full of piss and vinegar and just take off. Sure. And so it was getting close to dusk, and he knew, well, dinner time's around the corner, so mm-hmm. I'd like to get home sooner than later. So, And I was just a small little whip. I was like 85 pounds, and Sonny was this you know, 15, 16-hand horse, which was pretty high. Yeah. And I don't even think I had a saddle on. I was either mm. bareback or I, knowing me, I just, like I said before, strapped a pad on him or something. And he took off and decided to jump over this, I don't even know what it was, a bush, and he lost his footing and slammed us into this person's fence line, (sighs) and it was brand new. It just been built, and I didn't really know, because there's a lot of kind of quasi, like, B-class celebrities or, you know, actors, actresses, whatever, radio personalities kind of living in this neighborhood, so I had no idea who was on the other side of that fence. It was Pernelli Jones, the race car driver. (laughs) <laughs> and he was super, super nice. And did, it, did you break the fence? I totally took it out. Oh. I mean, it was like a custom-made, it was probably like teak or something crazy <laughs> wood. 
and made that my horse and myself made that fence our bitch basically yeah. <laughs> and it was just like the whole thing went down like a sack of bricks and yeah. my horse was fine I, I was I fell off and cracked cracked my ribs a little bit but I was embarrassed more yeah. than anything and trying to be you how know, old were you I was probably 12 yeah and so my horse stopped thank god it didn't take off and um he was so sweet he called my mom and I tried to ride away I, I apologized I'll come back with my mom in her car and we'll pay for it and He's like, no, I just want to make sure you're okay. And I was a little scraped up, and I was yeah. trying hard not to cry. And he was super nice. And his wife came out and brought me lemonade. And I was all sh- shaken up, but I was close enough to home. Where I rode home, and then my mom called, and she sure. didn't want any money for the fence. They well, just nice. were concerned, and <laughs> they were just concerned mom, about the crazy yeah. little girl. So I think I, a, I made them steam into the fence. I made them cookies, and my mom drove me over there, and I apologized. There and you go. The, luckily, the wife was upstairs folding laundry or something, and she saw my horse spook. No, she knew it wasn't sure. deliberate. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine if it had been? Like, if you just got an idea in your head, like, I know. you know what? Yeah. Screw these guys. Yeah. Screw New the, fence? The fence? Uh-uh. Screw that. No, not in my town. <laughs> well, I had a little bit of reputation on my horse, so I was a little scared that that would precede me, but apparently they hadn't heard of me. Oh, there you so go. My street creds weren't exactly polished enough to uh, make the grade there. But That's too funny. I, personally, I'm too, I'm, uh, I'm terrified of horses. Oh, really? I'm terrified. Um, I, uh... I had an experience where I was, I don't know, some youth group trip or something. We were on a, we were in a, like a, like a camp up north in Wisconsin and it was winter and, uh, the leader was like, oh, let's go on horseback riding trails rides. And I'm like, no, that sounds horrible. It's cold outside. Uh, so I, we all got bundled up and I got on my horse and, um, the bit fell out of my horse's oh, mouth, uh, and it kept uh, it kept annoying the horse in front of it by getting too close and like nudging it. So then that horse would kick mine in the face, and then it bucked me off. And I was like, "Nope, I'm done." So how old were you when this happened? Probably ten or eleven. See, this is this thing with you—you you get these these crises. <laughs> 10, 15, 20, 25. We're leading up to something seriously transcendental. It's going to be huge. It's going to be this like. 50 really, is going to blow my mind. Oh my yeah. uh, I'm moving out of town at 50. Per, yeah. That's probably. Hopefully, I won't be here anymore. So yes, but yeah. I'll have to remember. I'll have to mark, you know, <laughs> we're a good 15 years apart, so I'm going to have to mark this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, t- uh, to this day, terrified of horses. I actually worked on a dude ranch uh, in Colorado on a mountain for two summers. Uh, it was just two weeks for two summers. Uh, lots of horses on dude ranches, let me tell you. <laughs> Wasn't afraid of the bears. Or the uh, mountain lions, but no, those darn horses. The horses, terrified. I actually, uh, one of the coolest experiences I ever had was at that dude ranch. Um, there were elk all over the place. And uh, this big bull elk made its way onto, so it's a dude ranch, so there's guests. And, like, I'm working as staff to, like, do dishes or whatever. And this big bull elk made its way onto the ranch and was, like, at by the playground. And I had just started getting into photography a little bit. I'm I'm a shit photographer. I, like, I can't do it worth beans. But um, I had just gotten a nice camera. So, I, you know, I thought I was hot stuff. And uh, I, as close as I am to you, I walked up to this elk. And... Uh, it would it would like be had its head down eating grass and then so I was moving really slow and every now and then it would kind of look up at me and I'd freeze <laughs> and it would like 
uh, you know, exhale through its nose and like huff and puff at me. And it's this huge elk, bull elk They're with super these antlers. Dangerous. And I, man, it was terrifying. If if it had uh, if it had been like mating season or rutting season, like I would have, I wouldn't be here today. Or where is it that those elk get a hold of the fermented apples? Yeah, some town somewhere, and they get yeah, like, yeah. wasted. Get and they like, run around and pillage the town. Yeah, that's pretty funny. My my brother lived in uh, Point Barrow, Alaska, which is the most northern city in the world. Um, it's it's above the Arctic Circle, and he said uh, when he was living there, you just constantly have polar bears coming to town. They're oh just wow! Like, walk down the street with polar bears. Oh my but god! People think for some reason polar bears are really docile, but apparently they're like really mean and ferocious. So. Oh god! I think I don't think I'd mess with any bear. I'd probably mess with a black bear. They say black bears are a lot just like they're big raccoons, basically. Yep. But they're just foragers. But I mean, they still are bears. Yeah, right. Still got claws and a snout with teeth in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they a little bear, fast. a little bear is still a bear. You know yep. what I mean? So, so horses. Horses. Yep. Um, I have a hobby farm out in Stoughton. Really? Not that I have time to have a hobby, but sure. um, I have 18 acres out there, and I have 16 raised beds. Wow. That I grow all sorts of heirloom vegetables, herbs, and fruit in, and I can. <laughs> really? A little peony farmer. Side <laughs> side note. Do you apron. sell it at all, or is it just no. for personal use? Oh, hell no. No, no, no. I just give it away. I, yeah. I'm sure I give it to people, and they're like, oh, crap. It's her pickled <laughs> beets again. Good Lord. You know, woman, just stop. But I, I love doing it. I do it on the weekends. And mm-hmm. Pretty it's one relaxing. of my favorite. Yeah. yeah. And the farm is gorgeous. It was built in 1899. Wow. And, um, my farmhouse, the main house, has been totally, like, completely redone. Mm-hmm. And it's energy efficient and um, new siding, new roof, everything. And then I, I bought the property next door that has the original barn. And I'm actually having a bed made out of. The Barnwood. My friend yeah. Ben Jones is making it. Very he actually cool. did a lot of our build out in the first brewery, oh, okay. and he built our planters. Yeah, out we almost got murdered. We went to go pick up our planter wood. <laughs> so was, here's a story. Yeah, here's a story. All segue. Right. So we answered a Craigslist ad, which <laughs> it always can, starts can, with yeah, Craigslist. Yeah, always starts with Craigslist. And this guy said he was selling hundred year old Barnwood, and okay. I had designed the planters for the beer garden here to be custom made by Ben and his dear friend Dano. Yeah. And this guy said, I'm just 15 minutes north of Monticello. Just. So I did a good thing, and I didn't know if I'd have cell phone reception, so I printed out the instructions. Mm-hmm. And you can never tell. MapQuest is always like, oh, it'll take like three hours, and it takes like a half an hour. Yeah. So I didn't even look at the time yeah. that it would take. So Ben and I load, get into the truck, and I'm starting to kind of slowly lose bars on my cell phone. And he's like, how long have we been driving? I said, like two hours. That's not Monticello. I'm like, I know, it's not. Yeah. And phone GPS goes out. Both of us have no bars. We're in his work truck. There's no like GPS system sure. in there. So we're just following the map quest, you know, piece of paper print out. Yep. And we pull up to this place totally unmarked and it's this long winding dirt road and it's hotter than hell outside. <laughs> and no cell phones are working and it's all these creepy sheds like excuse this term but like really rapey looking buildings with like wooden shutters falling down and this older gent meets us he's nice enough and he takes Ben away to look at stuff and I have a really active imagination so I'm thinking oh my god oh my god he's gonna harvest his organs he's gonna come for me next Ben's been murdered I am drama queen extraordinaire my friends if they ever heard this they'd start laughing oh yeah you don't say like I'm a huge drama queen so I'm looking in the the glove box and I've only been alone for 
eight minutes at this point, but sure. in my head, I'm going down. So his he's a dad. So he's got down. he's got crayons and he's got pens and he's got band aids. I'm like, well, he's got to have a knife or something. I'll take you know I'm not good with guns, but I'll take a gun at this point. Yeah. So all I can find is pens. So I put them in between my fingers and make this like Edward scissor <laughs> no. hands like <laughs> Freddy thing going on. And I just sat in the front seat and I thought, well, I could like walk out and go hide, but I don't know this area. And Ben took the stupid keys with him to the truck. I was just going to leave his ass. <laughs> this is like, off. this is a bad horror movie. It's a bad Everything horror movie. Everything that go wrong is so far. Yeah. And I heard Ben scream. I'm not kidding you. In fact, <laughs> no. we just actually met earlier today to talk yeah. about my bed. Sure. And we both started laughing about this. I heard him scream and I thought, I'm my intuition was right. He's he's getting killed. And they both come around the corner laughing. And apparently the wood is in this dungeon cellar, this sure. super creepy like dungeon. And they went down there and a bat flew out and like flew into Ben's face. Yeah. Now, Ben's a hard ass. We call him Black Dog. He's yeah. super stellar, you know, super rigid, tough, edgy sure. guy. Sure. And he screamed like a girl because this bat flew into his face. I would do the same. <laughs> So then I said, okay, well, I told the old man the story. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so but I, I thought you, you were I a murderer. For, yeah, I pinned you for an organ, you know, killer, like, seller in the black market. <laughs> so as we went through all these buildings, they ended up having these really cool things, like old bicycles. Sure. And, um old saws and so with some of the wood we bought had old body parts you know, body parts, skeletons <laughs> and um we ended up buying some of things other than sure. the wood so it was it was really fun but yeah that was true story truth if you'd been there you would have been scared too i know i sound kind of like a was i have an really active scary. imagination as well <laughs> so you know uh and uh, i think there i think there's probably a raccoon living on the uh uh, like the roof of my apartment building, we're at the top floor. But I'll be laying in bed, and I don't I don't sleep really well, so I'm up late and I'm laying in bed reading, <clears throat> and it just sounds like it sounds like there's a person trapped at my ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, scratching, pounding. Oh, pounding. Yeah. So I like oh. I, it doesn't I, like you know if it was scratching, I th- I would think maybe there was mice, but I don't. It's not scratching. It is like pounding. So, like, I have a hard time even thinking it's a raccoon. <laughs> and it'll happen sometimes during the day, and it really freaks my wife out. Oh, no. My wife is super jumpy. If the, if the So we live in a fourplex. It's not even really an apartment building. Three of the four uh, uh, apartments are taken up by family members. So it's me and my wife. Below us is her aunt. And across the hall from her aunt is her brother and his wife. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So the only other person is this um, kind of crazy old Russian lady. Uh, but so my, if our apartment door is not locked, my wife is very, Ashley is very nervous and jumpy. And like every little noise, it's probably somebody in the house <laughs> or whatever. So when she hears like whatever animal is living on the roof of our apartment building, she's convinced that it's a... Uh, a person in the apartment. Oh, <laughs> we, poor thing. We have we have Christmas lights up uh, in our windows out in the living room, and you can't see the living room from our bedroom. But if the doors open, you can tell that lights are on. So, like last night, for example, <laughs> she like shoots out of bed, like sits up, and I'm, and that freaks me out because it's out of nowhere, and I'm like, what what is wrong? And she goes, there's lights on out there. <laughs> yeah, the Christmas lights are plugged in. We left them plugged. 
plugged in. You're going to give me a heart attack. Uh, you know, so, and you know, jumpy people. I'm not jumpy at all. Well, I live, I lived in that farmhouse for years by myself. Yeah. And I just, I'm from L.A., and I used to, you know... Leave my well. I, used, I always lock my doors, but I used to leave my house at like midnight and go running to the property next door to go look at the moon. Sure. With a glass of wine and think nothing of it. And now I'm, you know, four years later after I've heard all the coyotes and the, yeah. and the growling and the howling and everything, I'm really a little bit more reserved about taking those little night walks by myself. Sure. I don't. I think you'd be fine. Yeah. They're more scared of you, isn't they? It's say. true. But I'm I'm pretty fearless out there. It's really taught me a lot about independence and. Yeah. You know, but I, I do get I watching Grimm. I've got that love for that show Grimm. And oh sure, yeah, yeah. If I don't have my big dog with me, uh, and I'm watching that, and the, the werewolf ones come on, yeah. I just get all scared <laughs> and like, oh, maybe I shouldn't watch this. See, I think my, I think Ash, part of Ashley's problem uh, is she loves the show Criminal Minds. Oh yeah, that's so exactly it. That gets in her head, and <laughs> I'm just I watch those shows with her, and I'm like, this is so fake. There's no way this would happen, you know, but. You know. It's kind of fun to freak yourself out, though. I mean, uh, but I can't. I can't freak myself out sitting on my living room couch. Yeah. In front of my TV, what about I can't do Blair it. Witch. Did Blair Witch scary when it came out? Too no. fake. I, well, you know what? I probably didn't even see it when it came out. I was too young. Oh, oh, good. Oh, wow. No, That's right. right. You sure make me feel old. Thank I'm sorry. you. <laughs> I think that came out in like '99 or '98. I was 11 or 12. Oh God. Well, you could have watched it. Yeah. When I, I was when I was your age, it was like the big thing was um, well, when I was actually probably seven or eight, the big thing was Poltergeist. That sure. Was the movie that everyone was daring each other to watch. Yeah. You know the I think the only I don't get scared at movies. I um I, I you know I say that I was too young to watch Blair Witch, but I think my first R-rated movie was nine. Um, I my, my dad brought me up to just understand that movies are movies it's there's nothing to be scared of it's it's just entertainment these are people who are being paid to act this way um so like uh it's funny to watch uh movies with ashley because she will she's so jumpy i am too everything is really real uh and like like even emotional situations for her, it's very real for her in these movies. Or I get like that too, and I'm like, they're actors. This is just like I, I'll cry at certain things in movies, but I don't get so emotionally invested uh, in the characters, I guess. But um, the only movie that, that has ever scared me was uh, The Ring. That is a scary movie, and it That's wasn't so scary. much the movie that scared me. Uh, my sister and I went to go see it. Uh, when it came to the cheap seats, uh, back when there was a cheap seats on the east side of Madison, and um, uh, we watched it and came home, <laughs> and my dad, it, it, for some reason, it was just me, my dad, and my sister at the house that weekend. And when we got home, all the lights were off in the house, and the living room TV was on to just snow. It was just a fuzzy picture. It's poltergeist. <laughs> well, and that's also the ring. That's mm-hmm. how the, the, the TV turns on and then the lady comes out of it or whatever. And both both my sister and I freaked out. We were like, because we just watched this movie uh, and it was terrifying and then we come home and we see this and it just ends up that like my dad had gotten up and, and left the room and the TV went out. Like it was just totally by chance. But like how on earth, like, you couldn't time it better, you know? Like, he couldn't have tried to do that. He probably did do it on purpose. I don't, he does not have that kind of bone in his body. Like, he's not, he's, 
I love or does you. he? I love my dad, and, I, and I'm sure he'll he'll listen to this. I love you, Dad. He's I don't just don't think he's clever enough to do that. Not that he's not clever. I just he, he would. That's not the type of clever. He yeah, is. exactly. He wouldn't think to do that to somebody. I would. I I would do that all day to somebody, <laughs> but I don't think he would. So, but like I said, I don't get scared much. I, outside, if if we're sitting outside in the dark and it's cold, and we're talking about devil stories and <laughs> murderers, but I'll get scared. Like I'll not scared, but I'll get like jumpy. You get that kind of nervous bite uh, inside of you. But yeah, a little prickle in your neck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'll never forget watching The Sixth Sense for the first time. <laughs> first time with my sister, and there's a there's a point where um, the little kid says, uh, "You know that." I think he says, like, you know that um, that little, pr- when your hair stands up on the back of your neck or something, that prickly feeling on the back yeah. of your neck. And right, right when he said that, my cousin <laughs> leaned over and tickled my sister's oh, no. neck. She screamed. And she lost it. She, I mean, she, was probably, she was probably 13 or 14 years old, and she just, just lost it. Um, just totally switching gears. Yeah. I just remembered we were talking about pairing fear, food and beer. Yes. My friend and I have a goal in life to someday open a bar where every hour on the hour we serve hot chocolate chip cookies, fresh out of the oven chocolate chip cookies. Nice. I don't know if you've experienced this at all. Chocolate chip cookies with beer is the greatest thing in the world. And it really doesn't even matter what kind of bar it is or what beer it is. What kind of beer it is, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, It's delicious. Thoughts. Thanks. What are your thoughts? thoughts? Oh my god, I'm salivating. <laughs> um, when I eat, I'm generally gluten free. You know, I drink our sure. beer, but um, I can make a mean batch of gluten free cookies and try this out. But I'm salivating. Yeah, because I have a sweet tooth. I hear a lot of people. Really like good. I tell that to a lot of people, and they're like, "Oh, beer and cookies—that sounds terrible." But it has to be piping hot, like the chocolate's all melty. It doesn't have to be. It's all soft and. I I could even go for like a Chips Ahoy cookie with a beer. Oh my god, do I miss those? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you gluten-free? Um, I just had a gluten intolerance problem. My metabolism didn't sure. like it. My arthritis didn't like it. So yeah. my doctor suggested it. I had gained a bunch of weight unexpectedly. And ever since I took it out of my intake, sure. I lost all the weight. I feel fantastic. My arthritis is at bay. You know, I have rheumatoid. And I feel great. So yeah. I drink our drink our hoppier beers. I think you know, it's an uh, intolerance. Yeah. I'm kind of one of those annoying people. Whenever I order in restaurants, I always preface it with, I really don't want to be one of those annoying people because I know the kitchen goes, don't oh, you think, shit. Don't you, know? you think every every person who's that way prefaces it that way? No. I've seen a lot of them get really like pushy because sure. we have them here. Yeah. And they'll say, well, I'm gluten-free. And it's almost like this badge of like some kind of like health, you know, badge of like health. Yeah. I don't even know, courage or whatever. They think they're like the most amazing people and they need yeah. to be like completely like, homogenized from society or something but I uh, I when I do I'm real timid and I kind of do that whole like hee 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 sorry you know, yeah. I, I'm real easy and but I, I found like even last night I won't say where I was eating but I was eating at a, a neighborhood restaurant near my farm and I was in a great mood and I said listen no croutons on my side salad because even if I pick them out there's still the crumbs there and my stomach goes berserk sure it's not even like it's just me being picky it's that a little bit will create and even if it's psychosomatic who wants to have that stomach problem yeah and um no bun on my burger and and then fries mm-hmm. everything came croutons bun <laughs> and i was like i can't you know you gotta take it back and yeah and my whole table said you were super clear about it you were nice she actually said back to you okay so no croutons no bread i was like yep that's interesting and it just yeah it's just 
one of those things, and then you feel like an ass because you're like, is the kitchen like spitting in my food now? Yeah. Or are they pissed off? Yeah. They- I uh, I am I am the kind of person who first of all doesn't make special requests because I don't want to stick out I, like I don't want to inconvenience yes. somebody it, it would be too. it would be one thing if I had an intolerance or if I had an allergy I'd have no problem doing that but um, I will never I don't want to inconvenience people yep. and uh, to the point where if they bring out something and it's wrong like not that I didn't like I like they bring out the completely wrong thing. I'm just like, okay, I'll, I'll eat this. <laughs> I do it to a point, too. I mean, I'm really um, conscientious, especially if it's an account that, yeah. you know, I don't, I'm never going to overreact or be a, a bitch and be like, oh, I, I can't eat this. Sure. Take this back. Yeah. But, like, I'll just, this instance last night was one of those things where I truly ordered it that way. And everyone, I was asked my people at my table, are you sure it was clear? Like, you were very clear. Yeah. So, anyways, I felt like I was okay sending it back. But it's really generally, strange that it would just come out The whole thing was just, like, anything gluten that was in the kitchen, they just, like, shoved on my plate, I swear. <laughs> I um. This bitch thinks she can yeah, make special right? requests. Right? And, it, you know, nicer restaurants, like um, La Trois, Tori mm-hmm. Miller, He's so nice. I'm sure he scoffs at gluten-free, too. But they have a, in the computer, if you say, oh, I'm coming in with some friends, we have reservations. It's, like, in the computer. Sure. And when I was there on Saturday night, I mean, it was so good. And they do these amazing gluten-free rules. So people do accommodate. And I don't expect to walk into a mom and pop in yeah. a small town USA and be like, I'm gluten-free, accommodate the shit. You know, <laughs> like, I'm pretty I don't pretty expect conscious. them to know what gluten-free means. Yeah, exactly. What is that? <laughs> I, I am generally one of those people who's like, oh, just get over it. Just eat whatever. Uh, but I, I married a woman who is very sensitive to different things. And yeah. and so I can't be I can't be that guy anymore who's just like, oh, just yeah, get over just it. Get just get over it. Just eat it. Uh, she, my wife um, is... If I have a cough or if I'm sick, I'm taking DayQuil uh, or NightQuil or whatever. And according to her, that's poison. Uh, and she is very much about home remedy and natural. And I'm not at all. I'm just like, listen, I just want to feel better immediately. Uh, I want the uh, the relief. Like, hey, maybe it's not making me better, but it's making me feel better. So are you that? Are you are you home remedy? Or are you? I'm probably a good amalgamation of both. Sure. But I lean towards the home remedy. OK. I did. When we started the brewery, they didn't quite know where they wanted to put me at. Yeah. I was uh, studying herbalism okay. under a local herbalist. And one of my best friends, Laura Redman, owns Red Sage Health. She's yeah. a very celebrated herbalist. So yeah. I do try to go for that first. But if it's something like if I chop off a limb, I'll probably go to the doctor. <laughs> well, I get worried. Probably err on the side of. <laughs> I sometimes get, I talk to Ashley sometimes and I say, listen, like when we have kids, when they're sick, like you can try doing some certain stuff, but like. At a certain point, we have to go to the doctor. Yeah, because they're gonna die if we don't. And and she she's not that way. She's not like I say that in jest. But like sometimes I do kind of think like you know like we gotta like there's a reason doctors exist today. Yep. Like I know it kind of sucks going to the doctor and it's pretty messed up these days. But and a lot re- of doctors are east eats east meets west or however you want to look at it. Yeah, I mean, herbalism yeah. has east and west culture, but um, it's it's kind of cool that a lot of the, the Doctors my age in their forties and fifties are are very open minded. Yeah, they kind of been exposed to this this nouveau way of thinking. And and do you think do you think that's because uh, you know they you say they're your age, uh, so they grew up with kind of the same 
experience hippie, hippie or whatever. <laughs> sort of. Or, or is it just a sign of the times in general? Is, is it a sign of how maybe your generation grew up? Or is it a sign of where we are at now? Or I'd is it both? I'd more say more the latter, but I'd say both. Um, well, first of all, I think we are in a very unique city because yeah. we have such an amazing culture geared towards healing. I mean, have you ever been in a Midwestern town that has like 495 acupuncturists yeah, and, no. and, and every, you know, every, there's all these like healing centers. It's not even just like this yeah. guy does, you know, whatever soul cleansing and this guy does yeah. rock chakra healing or whatever. It's just amazing community of healers. So I think that our medicinal culture here, our traditional medicine culture here is exposed to that and not only are these healers here but they're exceptionally good at what they do they write books they're nationally mm-hmm. renowned um, and then of course this isn't like this is the only city that does this I yeah. mean they're in California you know whatever but Arizona Santa Fe but I uh, I feel like we are very blessed in that sense I, most doctors that I've had here for whatever is going on have always been open to the fact that I take herbs. Sure. And shown, have shown interest, valid interest, and not like, well, you shouldn't be doing that. Or yeah. that's They'll ask why, and then they'll show interest. Hmm. So. I've, I've just never been that guy. Like, I've just... I, I, I don't doubt that it works, or does something at least, helps. I think yeah. that's a better way of saying it. But I've just always been the guy that's like... This is this is what oh, the doctor sure. would do. I'll just do that. Well, I, I will tell you when I travel, I have a tote bag and it's got two compartments: one on the right, one on the left. Sure. One side is herbs. One side <laughs> is day cold, night cold, Tylenol, Advil. <laughs> you know, I do. I I have the same focus. Yeah. You know, yeah. On I, both sides. I you know when you're when you're the kind of sick that you know it's it's a cough and congestion and whatever. You just want relief right away. That's you don't true. want to have to wait. Especially when you're traveling. You don't yeah. F around with. Yeah. I just had strep. And <laughs> oh, God. I, I shouldn't say just. It was like a month and a half ago. But um, ignored it for like four days. I hate going oh, to the doctor. Jesus. Ignored it for like four days. Uh, I woke up one morning. The, the first day that I realized I was sick, I woke up spitting out blood. That's how bad it was. Yeah. And it couldn't swallow for four days. And... Uh, I, I'm going to sound so naive. Uh, free clinics are an actual thing <laughs> and, like, are a good thing. I don't yeah. have health insurance. And so, like, that's part of the reason I don't go to the doctor. Did you go to Access or where did you go? I think so. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's on Park cool. Street. I think they have one there. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know what it was called, it, it, but it was through the, the School of Medicine, UW School of Medicine. Okay. And so the first two people that checked me out were students. And I went in and said, I can tell you right now I have strep throat. Like, I've had strep throat enough to know that's what this is. And they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm not quite sure. And then the actual doctor came in and they looked at me. They did that throat culture, that horrible swab. They did eventually. The but but they ever. didn't even need to because then the, the teaching doctor came in and looked at me and goes, he has strep. And I said, that's what I said. <laughs> so, But, man, I, I want to educate listeners because if you don't have health insurance, Free clinics are a thing in Madison. I mean, they're all over, but Madison yeah. has them, and it's a real... Yeah, give them a shout-out. They work hard. Yeah, and, and like, I don't, you know, I, they didn't save my life, but it was a lifesaver, you know? Like well, it, strep throat sucks. Yes. It's hell. Yes, it does. <laughs> it's very painful. But, I mean, I couldn't believe it. Like, I knew, I knew free clinics existed where you could go in and get checked out. I went in, got checked out. They gave me medicine for free. And, like, I just, I, I walked out and I said, do I not have to pay? Like, I went to the <laughs> I went to the guy at the desk in the front and said, 
do I have to pay for this? Or like, what, what's going on? And he's like, no, you're good. And I was like, this is insane. Wow. Um, I, you know, I don't think it should be abused, but no, uh, I'm somebody who I could not have afforded to go to a doctor sure. and, and buy prescription meds, but um, so that's awesome. All right, Good. so we're gonna wrap up pretty here, pretty Thank quick here. You. But I oh. have one more question. Oh, just give me the zinger. Well, it's not a zinger. It is. It's the question that I ask every guest. Okay. And it's it started with um, Tom Farley, who's Chris Farley's brother. Yeah. And uh, I asked him, who is the most interesting person in your phone? The, the way I phrased it to him was, if I was walking down the street and found your cell phone, and I scrolled through the contacts, who is the most interesting person that I could find? But I, w- I make an addendum to it because, so like, his answer was like Quincy Jones and Adam Sandler and David Spade. That's cool. Those, like Quincy Jones alone, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but I, I have made an addendum to it because I want it to be for you who is the most interesting person in your phone. So, like, for, for Ryan at Carbon 4, it was um, his his friend who's a doctor. Um, he, he just said, you know, I, I know I can always call him and learn something. Um, for somebody else, it was another just good friend. And then I think uh, uh, the, at Bartlett at Conscious Carnivore was... Um, uh, this business guy that I don't remember. <laughs> but so I, I just, you know, it could be a famous person for you. It could be your dad, you know. But so I, I just asked everybody that. You just stole my that. answer. <laughs> oh, is it your dad? <laughs> it is my dad. And why? Why Why is that the most interesting person you know, in your so phone? You know, it's so funny. And I, I know it's not as, as original. My my second one was going to be my dear friend Gail Ambrosius because I think she's super <laughs> interesting. Um, but my father, for me, is very interesting because he has lived the authentic life that he wants to live. Yeah. And he worked really hard for it. And he worked hard from the ground up and worked his way through a a culture that most people would take into a materialistic sense. A lot of people would take the wealth that he's acquired through his hard work and think, well, that means cars and that means toys and that means private jets and you know, he worked really hard to get to where he was, but he wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. He's always been really meditative and um, instilled a sense of quality of life. And to me, as a young girl, we traveled together around the world together, yeah. and it was all about museums. It wasn't about eating at fancy places or mm. staying in the best hotel. We did everything by rail. And sure. he wanted me to experience the world through the eyes of a of just a, a weary traveler. <laughs> yeah. And um, we had a really, I had just an amazing childhood with him. He was, he's an amazing man. He's, he's uh, my mother, of course, is amazing too, but my father just taught me so much about business and doing things the right way and, mm. and being right-brained and left-brained and also um, always serving diplomacy and, and decision-making. And he's just, he's one of the most interesting people because he could have, gone either way yeah where you know the success he acquired and and where he went in the world can i ask what he did he was vice president of a larger um i can't even say it right but they helped manage mutual funds around the world yeah and then he retired and then he started a software management company called schedule soft here in town in his retirement with a super smart and talented guy named Greg Fleisis, who okay. was born and raised in Greece and oh. um, also lived in Boston for some time. He actually just moved back to Boston, but mm. ScheduleSoft is still in the, in the, in the city here, and sure. uh, they're growing the business into an amazing thing. So, yeah. 
I'm I, proud of my dad. I'm proud of my dad to be 77, and he's more wired and knowledgeable on his technology than a lot of people are. Yeah, half his age. Yeah. So I, I, I find it interesting. A lot of successful people retire, quote unquote. Never for him. And then it's like. Uh, no, I'm not retired. No, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna he, I'm gonna go start another business. He he did something really smart. He he's kind of nomadic, so he bought a condo in downtown, built a condo in downtown Madison, yeah, in Capital Point. And then he has a condo in Chicago, sure, that we actually shared. So, um, I'm down there. It's kind of nice for me because I can get away, and I'm close enough I can come back in a pinch. Yeah, uh, Park City, Utah, and then Honolulu, and he just kind of travels in a big oval. Man, <laughs> and then about once or twice a year, he'll rent. A condo in like South America or Sydney, or sure. he's going to the Canary Islands, as I mentioned before. So yep. he's just loves to travel. And he'll send me pictures and he'll kind of do like a text journal with me, and it's really special. That's really I'm cool. happy for him. This is what he wanted his whole life. Yeah. So when I say he's living the authentic life that he deserves, he's, he is. That's really cool. So, yeah. So cheers to my dad. Absolutely. And cheers to your dad, who's clever. <laughs> he is clever. Not that kind of clever. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank um, you. It was an honor. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to plug some things. Real. Do you want to plug anything? Do you have anything to plug? You plug. All right. Um, so our next Story Slam is January 2nd. Uh, that is Friday, January 2nd. Normally we do them the last Friday of every month, but the last Friday in December is the day after Christmas, and nobody wants to get together uh, to tell stories about stuff after Christmas. So January 2nd, Friday, um, our theme is Scars. We'll be meeting at Johnson Public House. As usual, sign-up starts at 6 and stories are at 7. Um, I think that might be all I have. Uh, we will. I think our next guest is actually going to be... Um, Patrick from uh, Sal's Tomato Pies, which just opened their location in Madison, or is opening their location in Madison. Uh, So that's going to be fun. Uh, Look for that next week. And again, Hathaway Dilba. Yes. I totally got that right. You did. Thank you again for being on the podcast with us. Thank you.